Hey guys, my name is Libby and thank you so much for listening to this incredible message. This is a brand new series called Open. In this seven-week series, we will be discussing the culture of our church. What would it look like if we lived open-handed with an open heart? We're going to read out of Mark chapter 4. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Wonderful. We're about 63% today. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, this is Jesus speaking, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this moment, but sometimes at home, you know, the kids are psychos, and they're having a good time, and they're, it's loud, and you just retreat into the solace of your phone for a moment, you know? You've ever had that moment where you're just like, it doesn't matter what's happening in my world. I can find, you know, some peace and quiet right here. And so I was, I don't even know, I was like, I was scrolling at something, and, and, and I realized as I'm scrolling, looking at whatever random thing that actually means nothing because I cannot remember what I was actually looking at, I remember faintly hearing this sound. Dad, 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 dad. I can't tell you how many times they said it. I can't recall how long they stood there patiently waiting. Dad, 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 dad. Could be four minutes, could be three seconds. I don't know. I can't tell you. I was just, I was just not present. My body was there, but I was caught up in another place, in another space, and I was not available, I was not receptive, I was not open, I was not there for them, I was there for me in my moment, and no matter what what was happening around me, I was right there in my moment, and the, like, the, my house could have burnt down, and everyone was like, dad, 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 and I'm like, what? I'm looking at my phone, clearly important. Only me that that's happened to, right? Only me? Let's keep reading in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 4. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. My question for us today is, in your life, are you available, are you receptive, and are you open? Because we can get into our zone, we can get into our life, we can get into our jam, we can get into our, our thing, we can get into our workflow, we can get into, you know, whatever, maybe you just love working out and that, that's the thing that you just fall down this rabbit hole. But the question is, are you open and available in your life? Or are you just on a one-track direction that says, I'm moving this way and nothing can stop me. I'm myopic. I've got one, one vision, one destination, one place, and it doesn't matter what's happening around me. I'm just going to... I'm just going to go do that thing. And you could say dad or you could say my name and you could say whatever you want as many times as you want. But I'm not going to hear you because I'm just not open, available, or receptive to your voice. In Hebrews 4, we discover something about ourselves. In Hebrews 4 verse 12, we discover that our soul and our spirit are deeply interwoven. In fact, not only are they so deeply connected, but there's actually only one known quantity on the earth that can provide some separation between our soul and our spirit. According to the scripture, 
The word of God is alive and powerful. The Bible, the truth, God's word. Also understanding that that word in this very Bible verse is the exact same word used in John 1 to describe Jesus. So you could also say that Jesus is alive and powerful, which we know this to be true. That Jesus in our life is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword and he can cut the only known quantity in the universe that can separate my soul and my spirit. The interwovenness, uh, the interweaving of the two is Jesus and his word. And when we begin to do that, we begin to create some separation and we can understand that there are multiple parts of ourselves. The Bible teaches us that we are made up of three parts in, in theological terms, it's trichotomous, which... It's a word that you don't need to remember unless you're going to Bible college. Body, soul, spirit. But for most of us, we, do not, we are not able to distinguish between our soul and our spirit. So we try and nourish something in our life. We try and scratch an itch in a certain area of our life. Maybe you feel like there's this like spiritual hunger in you, so you start to try and satisfy that. But the more you try and satisfy it, you realize that this other itch is occurring over here, and it's, and it's the soul part of you, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it's like this relationally connected side. And so then you try and scratch that itch over here because we just move like a giant pendulum, moving back and forth, trying to satisfy our soul and our spirit. And Jesus says, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want you to live in such a manner where these things are deeply connected and that you know that I'm the tissue that connects all of these things together. And that as I begin to create some separation, you'll, be, you'll actually begin to understand how interwoven they are. It's not until you can see how separated they are that Jesus can come in here that he can actually show you how they work together. You see, I am convinced that most of us live hangry. You ever had that moment? Where you just, you know, you just rage so hard and then you eat one grilled cheese and you're the happiest person on the face of the earth. Like you just hit your happy place. That grilled cheese hits your lips you're like, wow, I feel so good right now. I believe most of us are living our lives hangry. We're living spiritually hangry. We're living relationally hangry. We're living emotionally hangry. We're just angry. We're angry because someone's not meeting our spiritual needs, and no matter how much we try and satisfy it, we are not satisfied. And then on another side, we're so upset that we're relationally disconnected. We feel alone. We feel like people aren't letting us in. We feel like there's no way to break down into these, these barriers, and we just live hangry, and we live upset. But the truth is we're just depleted because we've been trying to satisfy them one at a time. And Jesus says, you can't satisfy them one at a time. You only can satisfy it when you come to me, and I can take care of everything. So he is the answer to the question that you've been searching for. He's the only way you can shift your emotions from being angry to be satisfied because the truth is otherwise we just feel depleted and we feel empty and we feel alone, especially when we try and make it happen on our own. Now, over the next eight weeks, we're going to be diving into this series called Open. And you're like, what is this? What are we talking about here? Because you're just kind of all over the map. No, I'm just laying some groundwork, some foundation for the next eight weeks. But this is a series that I like to call, a type of series I call like family business. This is where for the next number of weeks, we're actually going to talk about who we are as a church. We're going to talk about who we are as a community. We're going to talk about where we're at as a family. It's like a family meeting. Just, we just happen to meet on Sundays with a band before we start. Usually you just fight with your mom, you know, but this time you get to sing before. And we just kind of, we're warming you up, and then I just get to bring the hammer, you know. 
And by the hammer, I mean pleasant, delightful jokes peppered with some truth from Jesus Christ. <laughs> when we're thinking about the idea of church, the, the, the place that every pastor goes back to, and if they don't, they should, is, is the early church, the very beginning of, of church as we understand it in the New Testament. Now, it's also like, you know, it's also a, an exercise in futility because we're not living in the first century anymore. I don't know if anyone's noticed. Like, we've come thousands and thousands of years. So the way that they exactly implemented the things that we're going to talk about does not directly translate or correlate to the 21st century. I don't know. There's 21 centuries that's, that have happened. Uh, so that's a, quite a bit of time between then and now. But what we have to try and do is, is find those ingredients like a great recipe, like a great chef. We need to try and find those ingredients and, and reproduce and replicate. Those, those elements and we can get something and we can get an incredible community of faith, an incredible family. You know, we talk about the engaged family, but I want to I live it. I just want to talk about it. And so that's going to take us some, having some hard and fun conversations just to be honest about where we are at, who we are, and what we're trying to accomplish and where we're trying to go. You know, I was talking to uh, some friends of mine that come to church and they said, hey, uh, you know, when's our next, like, Vision Sunday? Like, what's the next vision? Because our last Vision Sunday was Engage Bus and Stony Plain, and we've done those things now. So what's next? Yeah, goals and accomplished, you know. Check. Uh, and I'm like, that, that, that's a great thought, but before we can kind of conquer the next challenge, I think we need to define who we are, what we're about, where we're going, what, what we want it. To feel like, you know, uh, we were kind of crazy when we wrote these giant words outside this building that said, welcome home. And I guess we have to ask ourselves, does it still feel like home? And I would say, sort of, sometimes. Let's go back to the Bible, Acts 2, verse 47. This is the last verse in this chunk of scripture talking about what, the early church looked like, Acts 2, verse 47. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, if you're anything like me, that's the part that you like the most. And every day they added to their fellowship those which, who were being saved. And, and the early church started, the very first church started with like 2,000 people coming immediately. And every pastor's like, yeah. And every volunteer's like, no. Especially kids volunteers are like, no, no. I'm like, come on, let's just do it, guys. And they're like, please stop. Please stop with the vision. You're too aggressive. We don't have enough bodies. Please sign up for a kids ministry, everybody. We even put it in the video announcements. I'm, we're not joking. Please sign up today. Uh, but I think there's some important elements here in Acts 2, verse 7. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. There's actually two elements here. And it's the pendulum that we've been talking about. It's two soul-spirit activities. Praising God, worshiping God, that's a spiritual activity. But they were also enjoying the goodwill of the people, which is a very natural, relational activity. They were just connected spirits. So they were, they, were, they were kind of scratching the spiritual itch, but they were also very practically like they actually liked hanging out. I mean, do you actually like the people at church? Don't answer. Uh, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the secret sauce, or the first elements of this relationship that we're talking about, or this, this direction, this, this recipe that we're trying to put together, is that we need to understand that there's a, there's a spiritual element to this, which I think we mostly understand. And if we're being really, really honest, that's the, probably the part that we're good at. 
We're good at coming here alone in isolation, coming, getting what we need to go through the week, and then coming back again when we feel depleted. Right? Or we're just talking too much truth too early in the morning? Is that we come here to meet a spiritual need, and then we leave. And oftentimes, to meet the spiritual need, we're on a personal quest. We say, this is just, this is me time. This is my time. This is the time that, that I can come and I can get fed and I can get satisfied. And while those things are true, there's another ingredient here. Enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And do you notice that when they added their, to their numbers, they didn't just add to their numbers. They added to their fellowship, which means they added into their relationships. They added into their community they just didn't add numbers for the sake of adding numbers you know we're at we're at a crazy point in our church talking about our family business where in the last year we've more than doubled in one year that's 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 crazy did you know that 60 percent of the people that come to our church have been here for one year or less 60 percent of our church population has been here for one year or less so you've been wondering why nobody said hi to you when the truth is they've been wondering why you never said hi to them should i just drop this now or So then I thought, how do we figure out what the rest of the ingredients are in this, this stew called Jesus soup, known as church? And I thought we should reverse engineer. So instead of starting from the top, we'll start from the bottom. Now we're here in verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And no, I'm not suggesting you come to church every day. But let's look at the elements. They worship together. There's a spiritual component. But they met in homes. That's a very natural relational component for the Lord's Supper. But not only the Lord's Supper, because it's not enough to only be spiritual. You also have to be natural. So they just shared meals together. And then we got some context, because not only did they do it begrudgingly, or because they had to go, or because somebody said that they should, they did it with great joy. And not only did they do it with great joy, but they did it with the spirit of generosity. And in your head, you're like, are you talking about money again? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about whether or not you had a smile on your face. Are you generous in spirit? Are you generous in appearance? Like, do you appear generous? No, you appear angry. That's just, that's my angle from right here. That's generally how I see it, okay? No, but the, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real question for us. Like, we can do the spiritual thing, and, 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 and on some level, we could be satisfied with coming and doing this individually. But in no point in Scripture is your spiritual growth development or satisfaction connected to you only as an individual and yet we've made our spirituality and our faith and our christianity a very individualistic pursuit when the entire plan was that it was to exist in the context of community And that idea makes sense to us. It makes sense to us that they were able to function in the natural and in the spiritual, that they were able to enjoy the fellowship of one another with great joy and great generosity because we know that in Proverbs 11 it says that the world of the generous 
gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Because as you can open up your heart, as you can up your spirit, as you can open up the smile on your face, guess what? People come in because I'm open, because I'm available, because I'm receptive, because I'm fully present in this moment. And all of a sudden, my world starts getting bigger because though I thought the world was against me, I realized that we're just all afraid of one another. You know, I, uh, I was going to Canmore one time, and I bumped into someone in a hotel lobby, and they, I heard them talking, and they said um, they're preparing to go out on a hike, and they had the bell, you know, the bear bells and, like, bear spray. Like, they were really aggressively prepared for a bear attack. And I don't know if this, like, park ranger was just, like, playing with them because they were so prepared or that he was dead serious. He's like, oh, you know, the bears are more scared of you than you are of them. And I would just like to say right now that that's lies. <laughs> that, is, that is lies. Uh, because are you trying to suggest to me that when bear show, bears show you their teeth, that's just a smile? <laughs> it's like, hey, let's be friends. No, that's not, what, that's not what's happening in that moment. That's them going, wow, you're going to be tasty and delightful. But oftentimes we treat the people in the lobby like they're bears in a forest. And when they open their teeth, we're like, he's going to eat me. I live terrified and afraid of a, of a random interaction. What happens if I say the wrong thing? What happens if I, if I don't say hi? What happens if they say hi to me? What, what happens if I'm now obligated to go to lunch? Oh, I'm so sorry that you had an opportunity to go connect with somebody over a great meal because you can afford to do that. I apologize. But we treat people like all around us like, oh, my goodness, the worst thing that could happen is if I just had to have a conversation for 14 seconds. And yet we wonder why we're hangry and we're so desperate for relationship and connection when we live in complete isolation and we've turned ourselves off. We're not open. We're not receptive. We're not available. I'm closed. I'm closed for business. I'm here for me. Now, Jesus said, when you come to me, give all of yourself to me, which includes, wait for it, your social life. You see, my current spiritual state has more to do with my relational status than I'm willing to admit. I'm going to say that one more time. It's going to appear right here. My current spiritual state has more to do with my relational status than I'm willing to to admit, oh, I don't like it when you come at me like that. Okay, let's go back to the Bible. First Corinthians 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We are created as one body. This church is one body. We've got ears and Eyeballs and arms and all, legs and all kinds of things scattered all over the place. But I wonder what might happen if we realize that we each have a
place. We each have a function. We each have a spot. We each are created to be connected to someone else, to one other place. Because how many know that my fingers don't work if it's not connected to my arm, which is covered by skin but is hiding my nerves and my muscles and my bone structure. And none of these work without this entire infrastructure. If we start taking this away, then we've just got a dead hand that just lays around somewhere and it's creepy because <laughs> it's just walking around. So spiritually, we're a whole bunch of hands and spare parts walking around because we choose to live outside of a body. Did you know that your spiritual fulfillment, that the calling in your life, the dreams, the destinies, and the things that God has put inside of you, he actually intended for you to accomplish with somebody else? There's no such thing as a self-made man in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing. I'm a Jesus-made man. You're a Jesus-made woman. And when we're with Jesus, we're a part of this beautiful body that is the body of Christ. It is impossible for you to accomplish the dreams and the visions and the ideas that you have in your heart apart from the body. That's why when we do things like the Engage Bus, and last Sunday, I stand up in front of everyone, we have a commissioning service, I say, each person that's sitting here today is a part of feeding those families that got on the bus yesterday. Because each and every one of us who invested financially or, or prayed about it or prayed towards it or volunteered on it or cleaned it or, or helped us start it with a giant blowtorch. No joke. Really. Flames coming out. It was amazing. That's how we started it. I'm, it's like the Batmobile, but a giant black bus. Just, you know? But we're each a part of that. We get to share in it. We get to share in the win. We get to share in the victory as a community. But what if it goes deeper than that? What, is, what if it's not just about the projects? What, what if my purpose and my destiny is deeply interwoven to, to yours? What if I can't do it without Jaden? What if I can't do it without Jose? What if it's not possible without Libby? What if we can't do it without Stephanie? What if we understood that I will never be satisfied because I'm living isolated and alone until I can open up just a little bit? What if we were willing to admit this will never feel like home until we make it like home? And the best thing about home is that when you come over, I'm like, hey, go get whatever you want from the fridge. But the truth is, that's not, that's not me being hollow and, and me being disconnected. It means we are so familiar with one another that you know exactly where things are. But the truth is, we treat our, our church and our relationships here at times kind of like, please don't touch any of my things. You're probably going to steal them. So what I'm suggesting today is the quality and depth of my relationships has more to do with my heart status than it does with my relationship status. The quality and the depth of my relationships has more to do with my heart status than with my relationship status. This past week, or a couple weeks ago, I got AirPods because while we were on vacation, a very aggressive cleaning lady vacuumed up my other headphones and left one earbud in the string dangling. And I'm like, my God, what kind of savage? So I got AirPods, which are amazing. I'm AirPod guy now. And the great thing is I went to Save on Foods and I was 
trying to get ham for Everett's sandwich, but the lady was so confused because she couldn't tell if I was talking to her or talking to the person on the phone. And the truth was, I was confused too. I didn't know which conversation I was in. I was in both. I was like, yeah, 200 grams. And my friend's like, 200 grams of what, bro? What are you wanting? And I'm like, ham, like honey ham. He's like, okay, I'm just concerned. Uh, so we don't, I'm living in this whole new world where I don't even know how to exist with people anymore because I'm kind of open and available to my phone calls, but maybe not you, but I'm kind of available to you because I can still kind of hear. And then I can also turn on this mode where I can put my phone over here and listen to your conversation, which is great. And it's like, there's all kinds of amazing things that happen uh, with my, my AirPods. But as I was driving in the car, I, I tried to uh, get my, like Siri to read me my text. Now Siri and I have a very difficult relationship. I say, hey, Siri, and she's like, please go away. Like, she doesn't like me very much. So I'm like, I'm tapping, and it's supposed to be hands-free. I'm like, do I get a ticket if I'm tapping my ear aggressively? Because do they, can they see this white thing from, you know, get a life, people. And it's like, I'm in the car going like this, trying to make Siri work. And, and Siri just, just, just turns to me in a digital manner and says, you can't use this function Unless you open your phone. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to open my phone. Swipe up. Swipe up. Sw I can't swipe up. I'm driving. I'm hands-free, Siri. <laughs> I can't swipe up. You can't use that function unless you, like, wants to scan my face all the time. And I'm like, I can't scan my face because I'm driving a vehicle, Siri. How come you can't just do your function? How come you can't just do your thing? I got these for one reason, Siri. How come you're not working? You need to open your phone. You can't use that function unless you open your phone. You can't use that function unless you swipe up. You can't use that function unless you open your phone. And then it dawned on me that I can't use my gifts, my talents, my abilities. I can't fulfill my destiny. I can't be spiritually, emotionally, relationally fulfilled unless I'm open. Because I start to shut down all of my functions. I start to limit my functions because I live my life closed unless I swipe up and open up the place in my heart that says I'm, I got to do this alone. If I could just open it up, I'll find a new function. I'll find a new use. I'll find a new application. I'll find a new purpose. I'll find a new destiny. I'll find a new relationship. And if I'm going to be honest, I'm going to find a new friend. You got to open your phone if you're going to use that function so I guess the question today would be, am I open? Am I open? Am I open to smiling and having an awkward conversation over coffee and being like, wow, you put six creams in your coffee. That's unique. <laughs> it's the start, though, friends. And you're like, wow, at the beginning, that's a great story to tell. Ten years later, you know, we met because I was appalled at how much cream you put in your coffee. <laughs> and then guess what? You showed them what real coffee tastes like, and they stopped using cream, and it changed their life forever, and it changed yours, and it's a story that you laugh about ten years later because you had one awkward lobby conversation because you understand that your function is tied to whether or not your heart is open, and you just swiped up, and you said, God, please swipe up and change my heart so I can use every function that you've given me so I can live in community, so I can find a relationship, so I can be a part of a family, so I don't have to live hangry and angry and depressed and alone because I choose to live isolated without using my function and my purpose because I'm closed and I'm afraid. Oh, there it is. I'm afraid. 
I'm afraid of what community would look like because if I got into community, then you would find out who I am and you would find out who I'm, what I'm struggling with and who I'm struggling with. You would find out my problems and you would see that I'm not as perfect and nice and put together as you are. And can I tell you, if you think somebody that is sitting next to you is perfect and nice and put together, then they're lying to you. But actually, you're lying to yourself because you've been telling yourself all along that they're so much better than you are. They didn't say that. You did. Am I open? Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart. God speaking. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart give you a tender responsive heart only a guy with a stony stubborn heart can stand before you and confidently say that if you are open first to Jesus to his spirit to his power to his grace if you are open to living up to your potential as a part of the family of God, the community of God. Only a person who had a black, cold, stubborn heart that was close and selfish and individualistic and driven to a fault can tell you that if you let Jesus in, he can transform it. That's right, I'm telling you, I know this and I know this to be true because I've lived it and I live it every day of my life transformed from the inside out when I live open, living in, in, in new spheres, in new places, in relationships, and, 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 and with opportunities that I never thought possible. And you know what the catalyst was? It wasn't my ability to talk. It wasn't my ability to build an organization. It's not my ability to be talented in whatever way that I think I'm talented. It's not even my ability to wear really long shirts. What it actually is going to go buy one, so it's fine. What it actually was that changed everything was the desire to live open. Am I open? Hey, thank you so much for listening to the very first message from our new series, Open. We're so grateful that you took time out of your day to listen with us.